Okay, sorry, I trolled everybody, but welcome to episode three of Rhythm Encounter, the RPG fan music podcast. For those of you who don't know, that little intro was part of the battle theme for Fantasy Star 3, which is today's topic. However, before I get to that, again, I'm Stephen Myrink, Talos on the boards. With me today is my co-host. Derek Heemsbergen, Embryon on the boards. So the next two episodes are going to be a two-part Fantasy Star retrospective, even though the series is still going. This episode focuses on the classic series, Fantasy Star 1, 2, 3, 4, and then the spinoff games that like five people have heard of. But before we get to that, we're going to have a shortened recent album section just because we're covering so much material today. And then we'll have a full news section and a full recent album section in the next episode, which will be the modern series of Fantasy Star, which is online, universe, portable, online too. So the first track we want to introduce today, Bob Richardson recently reviewed the FF Solo Guitar Collections Volume 2 album. There are three volumes of these, and they're different from the Final Fantasy Guitar Solo Collections which is a completely different ar- arranger doing the guitar. This one is done by Daisuke Minamizawa, and Bob and I agreed that this was some seriously fantastic music. I mean, they took some of my, my favorite Final Fantasy music and did... He, rather, took some of my favorite Final Fantasy music and just did a really great job, uh, you know, transposing... I don't know what the word you would use. Uh, converting it to guitar. And it really sounds great. So go ahead and listen to it. got a very flamenco sound that battle theme is probably my favorite ff battle theme i i know that's everything on the show was this is my favorite this is my favorite it's so good it's the best i love it it's like i said last time whatever i'm listening to right now is probably my favorite unless yeah, it's i wouldn't go that far but the ff10 battle theme is really really cool because i i can listen to it on loop whereas a lot of the battle themes i hear it a bit and i'm like all right enough but Tens is so good, and that's got a cool guitar sound, and I honestly had not listened to it before this very moment, so it was a pleasant surprise for me. I enjoyed hearing that. Yeah, it, I liked it a lot, too, and what's cool on the album is that the there's a guitar arrangement of the victory theme that comes right after this, and this track is built 
to bleed right into that after. So it's kind of cool how it flows right into the flawless so, victory. And yeah, that also is really appropriate timing for the uh, FF10 102 remaster that we just heard about what yesterday, day before yesterday. Very recently, which FF- looks amazing. It does. For all those people saying it's just a simple upscale, no. Take Go a look at out. screenshots, man. Yeah, there's screenshot comparisons out there, and they redid all those textures, and it looks awesome. I can't wait. Like, I, I loved Final Fantasy X, but it wasn't, like, in hindsight, it's not one of my favorites, but the combat in that game is rad, and part of the reason, I think, is because of the battle theme being... It's it's not lighter, but it has, like, it's it's a little more airy, I guess, than the other ones, so it's it's easier to listen to over the period of 150 hours, you know, grinding in the calm lands than I think some of the other battle themes in the series have been. Although I like yeah. that too. So. And it's very apropos to the game's setting. Without a doubt. So Derek, what do you think uh, we should listen to next? Uh, well, how about the only other thing that we're going to talk about that isn't Fantasy Star today? <laughs> the the only other recent album we've got for you guys today is uh, Stephen just reviewed the soundtrack to Virtue's Last Reward Woo-hoo. by Shinji Hosoe, and it is another excellent album. For those of you who are unfamiliar, that is the second game in the Zero Escape series where your watch is going to kill you if you don't play the game right. So the, the the track that we picked today is Bluebird Lamentation. It's a mellow piece that plays during a really heavy scene in the game. So get your Kleenex ready and take a listen to Bluebird Lamentation.
my god. When the music swells just under two minutes. Yeah. Ugh. I cried during the scene that that played in in the game. That that scene, I don't want to spoil it, of course, but that it's one of the only tracks in the game that only plays in one spot, and that's because it's tied to a certain character. And it's just, that scene, I didn't expect that particular branch of the plot to be as interesting as it turns out to be. And then at the end, I'm like, oh, I'm going to cry, it's so sad. Oh, I did cry. You were going to cry? Well, I was getting there. Look, I reserve things for that, like Dumbledore dying, all right? Nah, take it all the way. Wait a minute. What? Are you telling me that Dumbledore died? Yes. Does Harry Potter kill him? Harry Potter is my favorite character in The Lord of the Rings. I love that series. I especially (laughs) like it when Sirius Black runs back to Helm's Deep. Yeah, that's a cool part. And then he goes on the quest for the One Ring. But we're not doing enough justice to how awesome the music from VLR is. I wrote my review that I think with 99 and VLR, I really love the music. But I definitely think it's one of those cases where you will have a much better connection to it because of how closely tied it is to the fact that the game is a visual novel. This is one of the tracks I think that stands out, even if you don't know the context of the scene, because there's a lot of emotion behind it. But having played the game, it's undoubtedly more powerful because you know you have that... There's this one particular still image on the screen while the second half of this song is playing that's especially poignant. So if you haven't played VLR, play it because it's awesome. And if you haven't played 99, play that too. But the music especially, I think, even if you if you like Shinji Hosoe at all, it's it's worth listening to, but especially if you played the game. And I think that's a good pick too because the Virtue's Last Reward soundtrack is separated into two halves. One of the one half of it is the music that plays while you're solving these puzzles, and each puzzle room has a different uh, music track and a lot of them are really cool but they're also sort of like background noise yeah like, and whereas, like they're you're solving a puzzle music yeah and then the other half are event songs that play during various discussions or for certain characters or whatever so this is one of the probably one of the strongest event themes so i think it was a great pick and the game is not to be missed i'm sure you've heard enough raving about it i think we awarded it what game of the month and gave it a really good review so yeah it it is so good go it's, play it Pretty much everybody on site that played it loved it. And and really, I know you can play Virtue's Last Reward without playing 999, but seriously, but play 999 first. Please don't. Please don't skip 999. Yeah, it's Do awesome. Both. They're both good. And plus, a lot of the music is remixed in VLR from 999, so you can't really appreciate how consistent the musical presentation is. One other thing I wanted to point out, too, uh, regarding the FF solo guitar collections, uh, those aren't available from your usual sources like PlayAsia because it comes with a guitar tab book. Those are available from uh, Dice Gaming Nine Mizawa's official page directly from him. That's where we got ours. So I'll be sure to have a link in the show notes for where you can find that. It's also in the review, so you'll be able to you know locate that if you're interested. It just it comes with the guitar book and all that. So just in case you were interested in listening to more of that fantastic music. So now we start a topic that since I was a little boy I dreamed about talking about when I was five, and I said someday I'm going to get on the internet. What's the internet? And I'm going to do a podcast. What's a podcast about Fantasy Star? And we were originally going to do this as one episode where we have the first half of the show be the classic series and the second half be the modern series. Then we realized we were insane. Just insane in the membrane. Yes, I'm insane. I'll put myself in with that. What it boils down to is that I'm frighteningly obsessed with this series. So it's it's the reason I got hired at RPG Fan. I I originally wasn't going to get hired because they you know they found other people that to fill in the, the positions but then i guess because i really loved fantasy star and our former editor-in-chief eric ferrand also loved it he started messaging me on aim and they created a position for me that i no longer do but not only did is fantasy star pretty much my first rpg series 
it's the reason one of the reasons I think I'm an RPG fan. So I have to make sure it gets its due. And plus, Final Fantasy gets a lot of credit on the internet and all these other series. And Sega doesn't get enough recognition, I think, anymore. Back in the day they did, but with them being somewhat less prominent, I don't think they get enough recognition. So I really want to make sure we give you the all-encompassing Fantasy Star history episode through the music. And we have a master historian on our side to explain why things are relevant and why they are what they are. Yes. So you're going to get a history lesson today in addition to your musical delights. Yes, so let me oshiete you. That's Japanese. Please, I'm do, please do, sensei, onegai. <laughs> so, obviously, we'll start with the original game in the series. This is Sega Master System Fantasy Star 1. One of the first, if not the first, uh, console RPGs to have a female protagonist where the plot wasn't love or anything. It was good old-fashioned revenge. In the outset of the game, uh, Alice Landale's brother, Nero, is murdered by the tyrant king, Lassic, and the whole point of the game is to take Lassic down. And, you know, it, in classic old-school RPG fashion, it turns out there might be a worse fiend behind the scenes. But what's <laughs> interesting about this series is that the Master System had a different sound chip in Japan, or it had an extra sound chip, I think. It had an FM sound chip. So there's two versions of this soundtrack. There's the FM version, which sounds strange to my ear because I've, you know, I just didn't grow up hearing it. And there's the PSG version. I don't know what that stands for. I should have looked that up. But that's the version that if you've played the American versions of these games or any of the non-Japanese versions of these games, of this game, you'll be familiar with. So... We'll start out, what we're going to do, since we have so many tracks and they're a little bit shorter, we're going to play them in blocks instead of one at a time. That way we just don't inundate with, well, that sounded cool. Okay, next. So the first tracks we're going to play is the overworld theme from the first planet, Palma, and then we're going to play an arrangement of that called Planet Palma from volume two of an album Sega released a couple of years ago called Sega Rock, because I think it's just, it, I want to try to represent all of the different arrangements we have of these games. So first we, up we have Palma, composed by Tokuhiku Uabo. And then we have Planet Palma arranged on Sega Rock. So let's rock. Jam out.
that's some radical guitar. Very yeah. much in the spirit of Sega rocking out in the '90s. Sega always had that whole oh, we have the we can you know emulate rock music and to varying degrees of success, but it 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 isn't very a far shot for them to create a rock arrange album of most of their games music because I mean you play Space Hair, you play Sonic games. They're they're made to sound like rock, if yeah. not made by rock stars. Like with the original Sonic was done by that that Japanese rock artist. That what I really like is when that song breaks into the main melody, and then when it like around like one thirty, when it, it gets this into this like really brief solo, but it's just they capture that melody so well. I think that's that's why a lot of those eight bit rock bands do so well these days because eight bit music is so melody driven that it sounds great when you transpose it to like a, a, like an electric guitar or something. Yep, I agree. So you have those tracks, and now what I did with the next one is I wanted to capture there's a series of planets in all of the main Fantasy Star games that they exist in three, but three is a sort of spin-off story. We'll get to that. But one of the planets you always go to is called Motavia. And in the se- in the first game, that's actually a planet you go to later, and it's like this dried-up desert world. But thanks to the plot developments in two and four, you start on Motavia, actually, and it's become this green planet thanks to, you know, again, various plot developments. But I wanted to try to capture every Motavia theme because it's interesting how they try to reflect the different tone of the world in each game. In this one, it's this kind of untapped desert, you know, wildness. And then we have the main battle theme, which plays for almost every battle in the game, save one boss fight and the final boss fight. And then the two dungeon themes, because later on you'll hear, first of all, they're super catchy. And second of all, you'll hear them remixed in Fantasy Star 4, which is very cool. And then again, maybe Fantasy Star Online. So... Let's go ahead and take a listen to Motavia, Battle, Dungeon 1, and Dungeon 2. Thank you. 
so for me, I really think Dungeon 2 is my favorite of those themes. Agreed. Uh, it's just, first of all, the first time I heard it was in Fantasy Star 4. And so when I went back, I was so young, you know, when I went back and got a Master System and played it, I was like, oh my god, this is music from 4. You know, getting it backwards, I'm like, no, the 4 version is from 1. But I just it, this was, for me, one of the first times where I was seeing music in a series being carried on and redone. So it, it makes it feel really cohesive, which is cool because Fantasy Star 4 has probably the most direct ties to one out of any other game in the series. Alice, after all. And then, you know, the battle theme, not one of my favorite battle themes in the series, but, I mean, for the sake of completionism, you have to have it there. It's, it, it's a little lighter than I would like, but, again, that's, you know, I like dramatic. It's, I think it's definitely, I like it better than the Final Fantasy 1 battle theme, which I guess is a, the closest analog I can think to it, or the closest parallel. So you're, that's your... Fantasy Star fanboyism coming through. That's fanboy with a PH. Oh, without a doubt. It's yeah. This is this was my Final Fantasy. I didn't play Final Fantasy till seven. So yeah, I agree. It's it's better. Probably well better than like the original version of FF one. FF one has since been arranged so many times. This is but they are both good. And the final picks for Fantasy Star one today are going to be the final boss track, Dark Force, and a really cool rearrangement of it. That was in the PlayStation 2 remake of Fantasy Star 1 called Fantasy Star Generation 1. So we are going to get devoured by some darkness here. Listen to Dark Force and then listen to its smexy hi-fi brother. how I made it through all of those first-person dungeons. I didn't play Fantasy Star 1 on the Master System, obviously, since I apparently don't know how to get the system right. But I played it on the GBA collection that came out way back. And somehow, with maps, I made it through the entirety of Fantasy Star 1 and beat it, which I'm still kind of impressed by. I, I impressed myself. It's a I, obtuse game. Like, yeah, I, especially I, by modern standards. But even back in the day, like there was some really out there stuff you had to do. Yeah, well, I mean, I used a guide, but it's one of those games that I thought I would just never bother going through. 
but I did. And I was rewarded with the music for Dark Falls, which isn't amazing, but it was like, it's not the battle theme. This means it's intense. Yes. Like, so. only one other, I think there's a boss theme for King Lassic that's different from other themes in the, the game, other battle themes, and then Dark Falls. Like, so I think this game is old enough that we can not worry about spoilers, but basically after you beat King Lassic, you go back to the governor's mansion on Motavia, and he's gone, and you fall into this mysterious level of the dungeon, and then you open this door with scary monsters on it, and Dark Falls shows up out of nowhere, and this song starts playing while the screen is all black. So it's really dramatic, because especially if you're playing this game for the first time, you're like, what's going on? I thought I won. And yeah. why is there a monster in the governor's basement? And That's I, a question we will continue to ask for the rest of our lives whenever we play Japanese RPGs. <laughs> it Touche. And I, I think regarding the arrangement, I, I like it a lot. I think the early parts of it are a little muted in terms of the melody and the instrumentation. But I really like that part that isn't in the original where they kind of arranged it a bit around 40 seconds. You know, it feels like they got a little creative. But I think in general, the Generation 1 soundtrack cued a little too close to the original but didn't keep the the same sound, so it just it seemed off to me. I don't know. I don't, have you heard, have you listened to any of the other stuff from Generation One, Derek? No, just I've only listened to like the songs that we picked for today for the other games. But no, I haven't listened to any other Gen One stuff. It's I, I I don't think a lot of people were too happy with it. Also, they they redesigned the characters to make them a little more chibi, and that it didn't really yeah. do for me. I, I was happy they remade it, but I was more happy that they were going to be remaking four, which they didn't end up doing. But whatever. Uh, which I'm still sad about. I remember wanting that so bad. Me too, man. But in hindsight, they may not have done that great a job with it, but who knows. What One especially interesting thing is that the dungeon you fight King Lassic in, who's you know, the bad guy for most of Fantasy Star 1, uh, is called the Air Castle. And in Fantasy Star 4, you go back to that Air Castle, and you don't know why you're there, but when you're walking through a certain part of the dungeon, the dungeon layout from overhead in Fantasy Star 4 is identical to the dungeon layout in Fantasy Star 1's Air Castle. So they went back and recreated the first-person layout of the dungeon in third-person from the overhead camera. So I, I That's remember when I super found, cool. I was blown away because you, you wouldn't realize that because of the different perspective. When somebody pointed that out and showed the maps, I was like, my God. That is super cool Easter egg. I, I did not know that. I think so, too. And that's, I mean, it's, I don't know how commonly pointed out that is, but I think it's pretty rad. So... There was only one Fantasy Star in Master System. Sega moved on to the Genesis, and you ended up with Fantasy Star 2, also by Tokuhiko Uabo. And I like I tend to I tend to prefer the music in this one. It's a little more I think it it starts to hew a little more on the sci-fi side, which makes sense because the society has become more technologically advanced in Fantasy Star 2. There's this giant computer called Mother Brain that takes care of climate, it takes care of producing food. It, it basically coddles all the people, which plays into the plot of that when Mother Brain goes bad, everybody's like, oh, what do we do? Oh, it's Final Fantasy Thirteen. Yes, actually. <laughs> I just kind of thought uh, of that. Just a lot sooner, and with characters that I care about. No, I'm just kidding. Not... Oh, sick burn. Hey, I like Thirteen. I'm not going to hate on Thirteen. So yeah, I, what's interesting about this one is that the Japanese version of the game has the same soundtrack, but the instrumentation's a little different because the sound chips between the Japanese Mega Drive and the Sega, the, the domestic sega genesis were different so on the soundtrack for the series like this all these tracks are coming from the fantasy star first series complete album there's the original version of every track and then there's the overseas version which is the version if you grew up playing these games in the u.s that you'd be familiar with and i i don't like the japanese version there's basically there's this this clap hi-hat sound that is so prominent in the japanese version in every track that it's all i can hear 
And that sound is still in the, the domestic version, but it's significantly lower in volume, so it doesn't stick out quite as much. So the first two tracks we're going to play are the Save Room theme, because that theme is awesome. And we're going to play the American version you're probably familiar with if you've played the series, and then the Japanese version, just so you can hear the difference in sound quality between those. And then we'll break into some more discussion of the other tracks in the game, which are a little bit longer and a little meatier. So let's step up. Step on up to step up. Step up, step up to the streets. Step, step, revolution. I don't know about you, Derek. Can you, you? I'm sure you can hear the difference. I can. I wouldn't have really noticed if somebody just played it for me. Like they said, "Hey, do you remember this song?" And they only played the Japanese version. I would have been like, "Oh yeah, I remember it." But since we played them side by side, I recognize the difference. And if there, if that is in every track, like you said, then it would drive me crazy. It's super prominent, and I'm sure maybe if you played the Japanese version originally, it wouldn't bother you as much. But for me, I've played <laughs> I've played two so much and listened to the music so much that. It's like in my brain better than things like my name. So the moment I hear some tonal difference, it's like, no, terrible, evil. It's kind of like with Skies of Arcadia on GameCube. Some of the notes got flattened because they compressed the music and I heard it and I was like, this is an abomination. I refuse to play it. But um, That might be a little extreme, but I can understand where you're coming from. Take a yes. drink. I mean, uh, you know, I'm totally extreme, I'm too extreme. Like that game on PS1. So extreme. So let's listen to some more music. Derek, what do we got? We've got some town themes and field themes. The next few tracks, we've got three here. We've got Pleasure, Restoration, and yes, it actually is Restoration, not Restoration or Castoration or Monopolation or Banana Station. It's just Restoration. And then finally, there is a field medley from the Fantasy Star Collection Volume 1 album that was arranged by Takanobu Masuda, and this was actually released prior to Fantasy Star 4, kind of to drum up interest in the game. So get your walk on, strap on your Nikes, and head out with these town themes.
again with the 90s guitar at the end of that uh, arrangement Stop. track. I, actually, I said that. I was talking to, to Eric, our old editor-in-chief. He was giving me some suggestions because this is one of his favorite series. And I said, I go, gosh, these, these arranged albums sound so 90s rock. And he says, well, I mean, they came out in 93, so. Well, yeah. I mean, duh. That breakdown near the end is just awesome, though, when they just start wailing on everything. I'm like, man, it just un- cool. unabashed crazy. That was what Sega was all about, man. Yep, righteous. That that actually that track the version you just listened to is truncated. Actually, I cut off the second half of it is an arrangement of the second planet. Or in Fantasy Star One, it's the first planet. But you go to Desirus or Desilus, depending on the translation, or Dezo if it's Fantasy Star Two. And uh, that's that's another world map thing that we didn't play here. But that's if you listen to the full album on here. If you listen to the, it's actually the field medley, so you can hear an arrangement of that. And then I really really like the it's pleasure the town theme from Mota, and I just. Yeah, as somebody who's barely played Fantasy Star 2, those are Pleasure and Restoration are two of the only songs aside from the battle theme that I know. So they're those pre- are good picks. They're pretty notable. Just like with the... I included Step Up, the save theme, first of all, because it was a good comparison between the Japanese and the overseas version, and because our editor-in-chief, John McCarroll, the only music I've ever gotten him to listen to and, t- and comment on is the Shop and Save theme from Fantasy Star 2. So that one was for you, John. We love you, John. We do. John and Nada. So uh, the next set of tracks we're going to go through is Advanced. Again, the over all these are the overseas, the domestic U.S. version. Uh, Advanced, which is the first dungeon theme that you hear quite a bit throughout the game. And then Rise or Fall, two versions. First, Rise or Fall is the battle theme. The first version you'll hear is the original Sega Genesis version. And then you'll hear the Fantasy Star Generation 2 version just to see what they did with it or what they didn't do with it. Once you, know, once you hear it, you'll kind of get the comparison there. So let's go ahead and take a listen. Advanced, Riser Fall, and Riser Fall, the arrangement.
Rise or Fall is a pretty easy song to get stuck in your head. I mean, it loops, but that's the only memory I really have of Fantasy Star 2 is just... I don't even think I got any... I only got three party members. So I had Rolf, Ney, and Rudo. Oh, oh, I get it. Rudo, Eric, got it. Yep, that's why his name is Rudo. Connection made. Yep. So I never... I don't even think I got past the first or second dungeon in that game, but the battle theme is cool. Fantasy Star 2 is labyrinth-wise. Not necessarily... I don't think combat wise but labyrinth-wise, it's probably the most difficult in the series because it's just, they are yeah. so winding. And, like, you'll have to go to the top of, like, a 10-floor dungeon and then drop down in an exact spot. It, yeah, it's, it's, no. It's heinous yeah. difficult. I was I was telling Derek while we were listening, I played them in a weird order. I played, I, I remember I went out and I was super excited to, to buy what I, what I didn't know was Fantasy Star 4 because I've been playing it on Sega Channel. And so I finally got the money, bought it, ended up buying Fantasy Star 3, which at the time I was rather irritated about. And I then, would still be irritated about it. Sorry. I, I ended up a, a couple of months later. My uncles used to live with my family, and the room they lived in, they shared a bunk bed, and there was like these wooden slats on the above the first bed, and so I was jumping on that bed because I was a fool, and one of the slats came loose and smacked me so hard in the head that a it knocked me out, and b it like I had to get stitches, and so they told me, oh, you can't run around outside. You have to like not move your face much or you could rip the stitches so i was super bummed out so my mom took me out and i finally got fantasy star 4 and it just freaking blew me away so i didn't finish three or one way until way later when it came out on gba and then i didn't finish two until it was on ios i finished it in 2010 so it took a long time but i i played them all a lot but i never finished them all until much more recently and just rise or fall has always been it just it, it feels so important. It's just, it really gets you into that game. I just, it's one of my all-time favorite battle themes. And it's, I, I think I may actually like it better than my favorite game in the series four is regular battle theme, just because it's, what? no, really, I, I just, I love four's battle theme, but Rise Your Fall just, it's like, man, it just, it makes you feel like there's justice behind those buyer monsters that you're smiting or the yeah. robots later. And I would argue that it's also the most iconic song of that game. So. Oh yeah, definitely. I would probably part of it. I, on that note, I don't know about you, but I, I don't really like the arranged version in Generation 2. I, I appreciate that they went through and redid the music, but they didn't really do anything to it. And the instrumentation just kind of takes away some of the punch of the original, I think. I thought it was okay, actually. Um, but it, you're right that they didn't add much. I felt like it was a solid recreation and a higher fidelity. But Yeah. And, you know, they, they could have taken advantage of that to, to spice it up a little bit. But sometimes it's not needed. So I, I don't... Nah, I don't really have any feelings about it one way or the other. It was there. Yeah, that's true. They, in general, the remake of 2, I think, was better than the remake of 1 because it was a little bit truer to what the original game was. But uh, So for our next group of tracks, we have Mystery, which is a dungeon theme from late in the game. Noah, which is the final dungeon theme. And in Japanese, it's called Under because it had the dungeon had a slightly different name. And then Death of Place, which is the only other battle theme in the game. It plays for every boss fight, all four of them. I think there were four, yeah. Or maybe even three. But it's the only boss theme. It's the the Nii first battle boss theme. It's the Dark Force boss theme. It's the Mother Brain boss theme. So it's it's special because you fight a lot of battles in that game, and it's different, but it's also not like, oh, man, the final boss has his own track. So let's go ahead and take a listen to Mystery, Noah, and Death of Place.
Nay. Nay, open your eyes. Please. No. Iris. Okay. Iris, open your eyes. Iris. I will fight for. That went in an unexpected direction. But I'm glad we were able to link that together. Yeah. And sync up so well. That was good. But yeah, a fantasy star music is, is cool. I really yep. like mystery. Uh, it's. You said it over the. You said the exact same thought I was having, which is it sounds like a '90s action anthem. Like the heroes have recovered from their mid-movie, you know, slump, and they're like, "All right, let's go take on the bad guy." Yeah, it definitely. You really get that sense that Sega and Genesis was going for that like really hip, like this is the stuff you see in pop culture kind of th- kind of yeah, sound. Like put on your sweatbands and your bright pink booty shorts and let's throw some plugs. Load your gun and let's get going, man. <laughs> And then watch, watch Fresh Prince. Yeah. I said wash at first. I don't want to wash Fresh you, Prince. You could wash the Fresh Prince. I mean, he... But he's already fresh. Yeah. That's true. I guess it would be kind of redundant to wash the Fresh Prince. But yeah, so... And, and his wife wouldn't appreciate it, but go on. And Noah is the Final Dungeon theme. And as Final Dungeon themes go, first of all, it's not the best one in the series because one doesn't have a Final Dungeon theme. It just has Dungeon 2, which is awesome. Three has literally the standard Dungeon theme and then... Uh, four is the only other one with a real Final Dungeon theme, and it's so good and so different from what you've heard in the series before that I don't think Noah really keeps up. But you know, as an early prototype, you know, this was still uh, this was 1989, I believe. So this was really early in the JRPG. So at least for me, so this is you know, I don't think Final Fantasy One had a Final Dungeon theme either because you just went to the Chaos Shrine again. But I don't know. It's it's pretty cool as a, as a as a piece of history. It's not one of the most memorable songs, but I think it's worth having. And it's called Noah, which is a throwback. Yes, because in Fantasy Star 1, he was called Noah. He was your mage. In Japanese, he was called Lutz, which is what they retconned it later. But they didn't change that he was called Noah. They just said that that was his name via Fantasy Star 4. But this was actually the name of the spaceship that you're on, which turns out to have a bunch of Earthlings and Dark Force on it. So it's not the coolest spaceship in the world. I hate it when that happens. Yeah. And the Death of Place is pretty good, too. It's, you know... it. It, it has that, you've fought so many battles throughout the game that it has that, it's different, so you're excited to hear it, but it's still, you know, you don't have a final boss theme, which is interesting, because it's kind of a step back from Fantasy Star 1, which had its own final boss theme, but I, I heard a lot of, I read a lot of stuff that 2 and 3 were both pretty rushed, so it may have just been that this is the battle theme we got because of space limitations on the cartridge or whatever, because that's why you don't have uh, battle backgrounds in Fantasy Star 2, because of space limitations on the cartridge. Yep, it's kind of weird. That's that's one of the few things about uh, Fantasy Star 2 that that I notice every time I try to play it. I'm like, Ugh, it's so weird to just have like the wireframe and it's, nothing else. You're fighting in the Lawnmower Man's world. Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. I just got sucked into Tron. And that's what's interesting too is that the only boss in the game that kind of circumvents that is the final boss, Mother Brain. She has like space flying in the background and stuff, and she takes up the whole screen. So it's pretty cool. But you know, in the in the remake, they actually did have battle backgrounds, and it's almost off-putting because it has like a totally different vibe. Because you're like, wait, there are trees and sky in the back. Yeah. What? You're like, where am I? Yeah, huh? it gives it really does give it a different vibe. But Fantasy Star Two, good music, some classic stuff. I mean, it's I mean they packed it in with the Genesis for a long time, so a lot of people are very well beloved on that game. A game a lot of people are not very well beloved on, maybe because of. How, it, how different it is from the rest, and because it tried some stuff that it didn't totally succeed on, but it's still a very solid game if you can give it a chance and get over some of its flaws, is Fantasy Star 3, Generations of Doom, the only game in the series other than 4, which didn't act, wasn't actually called 4 in the US, the box said 4, but the game is just Fantasy Star End of the Millennium, 
Fantasy Star 3 has a subtitle, which is Generations of Doom, which plays into the whole system of at the end of every part of the plot, you choose who you're going to marry, and then you get a completely new protagonist in the next generation, and the, you know they branch out, so you do it, th- you do it twice. So your third-generation character can be the combination of a lot of different people, and it dictates his abilities and the other characters you get in your party, and even some of them have different endings, which is really cool. That blew my mind when I was a kid, for sure. Yeah, and it's it's very forward thinking, and they they switched to a new composer for this one. It was Izuho Numata. Uh, her maiden her maiden name was Takeuchi, uh, but in the game you would know her credited as Ippo, which is what it says in the Fantasy Star Four sound test. And what this game tried to do, actually, you know, we'll talk about that after we listen to this first set of tracks because it's it's more visible than the others. We're gonna start with the main theme, which is pretty iconic and has been remixed on several albums, um, and it's it's really a, a great theme that they revisit several times throughout the game, so I think it's important to have it here, talking about it. And then the first town theme, which is like a minute long, and then the second town theme, which is like 30 seconds long. And just because of what a drastic contrast there are. And you can see here kind of... The, this is the same composer that did Fantasy Star 4, which shocks a lot of people, because in terms of the time they had and her mastery of the hardware, you really can see an evolution. So some of the melodies here are good, but they kind of they use the power of the Genesis for evil and they don't, they hit some of those notes that are just a little bit sour and like, you know, you can really see the technical limitations coming up, but I'll be interested to hear what you think of it, Derek, because I am including this music for history purposes and to show that there's actually a lot more to like about this game than you might think. But I think except for, except playing it. No, it's not that bad. You know, we'll talk about that after, but main theme town one, town two.
Yeah, so I think you can tell, especially with Town 2, first of all, I really like the melodies here, but you can tell that, you know, I don't know if it was because they were rushed or because Numata was just new to the the hardware or something, but it, it has it's a little more difficult to listen to in terms of the instrumentation. It just it, it kind of misuses some of the sounds. Like, you get the good melody there, especially with main theme. I think that sounds great. You have, like, the bell in the background and stuff, but with Town 2, you have that and it's, it's kind of dissonant and... I don't know, it's a little jarring. It feels really foreboding. You mentioned that that's a, that's a song that plays when you're in towns that are not friendly, yeah? Yeah, like, there's this war going on between Orakians and Lanes, which are basically in the history of Fantasy Star 3, which it turns out, at first it doesn't seem related because it's very medieval. It turns out that in Fantasy Star 2, one of the planets gets destroyed and all these, these giant colony ships evacuate. And as they're evacuating... You know, they go out to different parts of the universe, and you find out late in Fantasy Star 3 that you're on one of these ships. So it is related. It's just, it's kind of like a side story. And so on your ship that you're on, there was this war between this warrior named Arakio and this other warrior named Leia. And they kind of, they divided the people into two, like Arakians and Leans. So you start out, you're a full-blooded Arakian. So when you go to like a a Leian town, it plays that just to kind of express that you're not in your, your kingdom anymore. Which is good, because it's always cool when music plays into the context of what's happening. Which is something and I think... Th- I did not know that about the story, actually. So I appreciate hearing that as well. Yeah, it's... Uh, well, that was the thing, is a lot of people started playing, and they go, this is medieval, and it's just... it's The, the music is different. It, it's a very different vibe from the other ones, and I think that's why a lot of people don't like it. That, and certain experiments the game tried out, just, you know, didn't work out. Like, the, the graphics are a little bit dry and kind of colorless, and mm-hmm. I think, you know, that's what drove a lot of people away was that and it didn't seem to be related to the others and then even then once you find out it's it's like oh hey we're one of the the, the palman ships that blew up and there's a dark force on here that's what's causing the, the final boss song is cause of the dark and it's the cause of all the problems so it, it it does relate in to the whole thing and it starts it creates a plot thread that becomes picked up in fantasy star 4 because 4 mentions the ship and they tell you later dark force is this entity that gets reincarnated every thousand years and it can be reincarnated more than once. And that's why uh, 3 is happening in parallel to Fantasy Star. I think it was 4. Like, or the events are happening in parallel. So you have two dark forces existing at once. And that's the start of an idea that plays out in Fantasy Star 4, where there are three dark forces that you fight on your own. And then you find out what's causing all the dark forces, which we'll get to when we talk about Fantasy Star 4. It, it, it's very tied in. It's just, it's not as immediately apparent. Kind of like King's Quest 3. You know, you start out... You're not a king or a prince or any kind of royalty, it seems like. And it doesn't, until the end of the game, you don't realize that it is tied in. It's just not immediately apparent. You would make a King's Quest reference. This is my childhood episode, man. <laughs> All right. You know, another thing that Fantasy Star 3 did uh, with, an ex- with experimenting is it did experiment with its musical themes. So two examples of that are the field music, the ground, and the battle music. The field music actually changes depending on how many people are in your party, while the battle music changes depending on how difficult the encounter is perceived to be. So we have both of those. We actually have uh, that you're going to hear a progression through both the field music and the battle music. And then we'll come back and chat about how that works. So coming up next, we've got the ground and battle themes. I sound like strong bad. System, 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 system. Anyway, it's Fantasy Star 3. Go! Fantasy Star, here we go.
the ground, what stood out to me was the the part of the end that plays when your main character is dead, but everybody else is alive. That is weird. It's cool that they, that they made that. It, yeah, it is cool. Well, cool and weird are pretty much the same for me most of the time. You should. But yeah, it's that was that's a surprise. So I think that's a really that's actually a successful venture in terms of musical experimentation. They didn't add a ton of instrumentation throughout those tracks as you progress with party members, but the fact that they did anything at all is cool, especially with such limited hardware. I think you'd find, too, if you listen to the full track, especially as you get from solo to trio to quartet and quintet, which are the different uh, versions of the theme, we only played the first 10 seconds of the first four. There actually is quite a bit of, you can see how much more they added to each track, like you'll hear a certain channel added every time. And it really gave you kind of a cool impact when you... Because when you earn new party members in that game, it was sort of a big deal uh, because they made the game a lot easier. And it, it was just neat that they had that. And if I, I could be wrong, I'm pretty sure the, the version that plays when your main character is dead is an arrangement of the game over theme. Because your, your protagonist is exceptionally important in the context of the story. So it, it makes sense that if that person were to die, it would be really bad. And we wouldn't want that. No. And so... For the battle themes, those also change dynamically depending on the difficulty of the battle. So there's that awful, awful grading, like, two-second loop. But that's what but I brought the, the show in because I think a lot. that's for a lot of people. If you sit on the intro to the battle, it just keeps looping that until you start doing something. So for a yeah. lot of people, they were like, are you kidding? This is the three-second loop. Yeah. But the, the rest of the changes are interesting. I like the, the normal one probably the most. And then the hard version, Steven, what does that sound like to you? It In the hard and easy, and you'll see again in the Dark Force track, it sounds like somebody took a card and sticked it into the spokes of your bike. It's like, in the background. And I'm like, what instrument is that supposed to be? It is very odd. Like, what are you doing with the Genesis hardware? Especially since you're going to go make Fantasy Star 4 later. You're like, what? I, I want to chalk it up to this game having been rushed. And maybe Numata just didn't have enough time to kind of get things where they wanted to be. So it, it sounds good, but it ha- some of them just had that really grating sound. But it still did something that a lot of other games didn't do at the time with changing the music for various situations. Other games since then have attempted to do that. A couple that come to mind are... Uh, Final Fantasy: The Four Heroes of Light does that in battle. Like if you're if you're about to die, then the music changes suddenly to like a more ominous version. And more appropriately, Fantasy Star Online Two does that, as I am told. That well, I was it was interesting because I found out when I reported on the the sympathy the sympathy show uh, that we'll talk about later, the orchestral uh, concert they're doing. I was like, why is it called Sympathy? Is it Sympathy for the fact that? They're not going to make any more classic Fantasy Star? What is this? It's because the music, the, gen- the procedurally generated music system in Fantasy Star Online 2 is called Sympathy. And it generates, there's like nine different versions of every boss theme for like if you break off the boss's arm or if you hit his eyeball or something. So it's, and I think, I, rec- I, I could be mistaken, but I recall reading that uh, Hideki Kobayashi, who did the soundtrack for that NPSO one said, I was inspired by Fantasy Star 3's creative use of sound. So... The series is still connected. It's like they're still looking back a little bit. So I, I really kind of appreciated that. And I really like that they're bringing it back in PSO2. Maybe not necessarily in the same way. And certainly, you know, more technologically advanced in how it's executed. But interesting little bit. But the idea is in place. Yeah, exactly. So I think it's pretty cool. I also think it's pretty cool. Uh, we're going to play next. It's Sierra Type 386, which is the airship theme, which... Forgive the first five seconds, they're incredibly like, wah, 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 but the melody is cool and it gets good. 
And then we're going to play the Fantasy Star Collection Volume 1, that Arrange album from the 90s, a version of that. Because I think this is just a really cool, upbeat song. Uh, the reason it's called Sierra is in the English version, you wouldn't know this, but in the English version of Fantasy Star 3, you got an android named Rin. And in Fantasy Star 4's English version, you also got an android called Rin who looked identical, but he was said to be a newer model. They're not the same character, though, because in Japanese, Ren was called Sierran in Fantasy Star 3. And Ren in Fantasy Star 4 is Furin, which is like a more advanced model. So that's why in English, it's like, why are these these two characters who look identical and have the same name, but they don't have the same memories? And how are they in different places? And it's because they have different names. So kind of interesting. More history lessons from the PS Sensei. I like being called that. But anyways... Let's go ahead and take a listen to Sierra and Type 386 and the arranged version from PS Collection. Yeah, I really like, first of all, again, I apologize. The first five seconds of 
the or, the original track are a little bit like it's just like this disaster of Genesis sound, but I I think the melody is really cool there, especially at the end when you get around like forty eight seconds, it's got that like that background going like like I really it's just it's it's fun like when you get the airship in that game it's a big deal because exploration in that game is tedious, so being able to fly around all of a sudden on your android is pretty rad. He turns into a jet so. He's kind of like, well, that's too recent of a game. Never mind. He's like another game where there's a character who can turn into a jet who is better than Derek's favorite character. Uh, wrong. <laughs> it's cool. It's it's a cool exploration theme. I just, I'd like to troll you a little bit every now and then. There was definitely the, the once again, Super Whalen 90s righteously rocking guitar in the uh, rearranged version. But yeah, that, very cool. That album is... It really does encompass that whole Genesis thing, like that Sega went through. I, like I said it earlier, like Genesis was the if you wanted rock and like pop and stuff, you were on the Genesis. If you wanted like booly booly boo, as Genesis as Sega marketed it, you go with Nintendo. If you wanted the the badass stuff, you went with Genesis, which to varying degrees of success for some people. I grew up with it, so I buy into it. But you know, yeah. What do we uh? What's our last set of tracks from Fantasy Star Three, Derek? To close up Fantasy Star 3, we've got uh, the Dark Force track, Cause of the Dark, and Ending 2, Start Anew. So these are the things that you hear at the very end of the game, and by that point, you're either sad that it's going to be over, or you're ready for Fantasy Star 4, like I know I would be, although I hardly played Fantasy Star 3. I just got to jab a little bit. I appreciate what Fantasy Star 3 does, I really do. But these are the, the last two tracks, Dark Force 2, or Dark Force and Ending 2, Start Anew. Let's get dark. For Dark Force, you remember that analogy you made about the wheel and this or the card and the bike wheel spoke? Oh yeah. Yeah, that bike is now being ridden by Satan, and he's gonna come and annihilate your entire family. And just like in Fantasy Star 2, you find Satan in a box. 
for some reason in Fantasy Star 2 and in 3, you find Dark Force inside a box. And he's like, ah, you opened Pandora's box. I'm evil. I'm going to kill you. And then he pops up and you're like, wait, how did you fit in that box, bro? But yeah, the Dark Force in Fantasy Star 3 is terrifying looking. He's creepy. Yeah. I, I showed Derek a picture of it while we were listening to the track. But I really like that final boss theme. It's Forgive me for saying this, but it's really dark. It's it's much more since he didn't have his own theme in two, and one had kind of that you know that peppy eight bit sound to it. This is the first time you're fighting Dark Force when he's like, man, this guy is like super evil, and it's like that really those very deep dark beats on the Genesis that I think maybe if you don't like Genesis sound, you may not appreciate that boss theme. But that's a pretty intense theme for a game at this point in time. So yeah, it's kind of nightmarish. Yeah, which is sort of the case because you don't know you know he's the cause of the problems but you just know you just know that if i recall with three you fight this corrupted king in this evil city and then you go into like the underside of the city and that's where you find the box and i think you know dark force is in there because they've told you at that point that oh king rulik here was corrupted by dark force so you you know go take this guy out he's mean and he's causing all the problems on our ship the elisa three which in the ship is called the Elisa 3, and the reason is because in Japanese, her name wasn't Elis in Fantasy Star 1. It's Elisa. So that's why all, there are all these references to Elisa, and that's why the, where the confusion came from with Elise in Fantasy Star 4, because it's not the same person at all. And then I really like that ending theme. It, there's two ending themes because there's two different endings. And, or well, they, they vary depending on your characters, but I just I feel like that really gets this... It sounds so Genesis, and I, I've said that a couple of times, but it really does. It's this really nice denouement at the end of, you know, this long and particularly arduous and time-consuming adventure because PS3 is really time-consuming. Well, I like that you said denouement. Yeah. That was, and, that was very fancy of you. Yeah, well, you know. But it's a nice contrast to the horrible dark death of Dark Force. Then you, you're like, oh, start anew. All right. Hey. Adventure's yeah. over. The endings are pretty cool, actually, because in Fantasy Star 2, you get a technique called Medjid, and... It hurts your own party and the enemies, and it's incredibly powerful, but you can pretty much kill yourself with it. And three, it becomes part of the plot. You have to get it. Uh, you have to get, learn that and some other skills to fight the fi- to be prepared to fight the final evil, but you can't actually use it. It just sits in your menu. But then in one of the endings, your character gets so angry at how evil everything is that it triggers the technique, and he like blows up the city. So it's pretty cool. And then in Fantasy Star 4, it comes back as an as like optional thing you can get in a side quest. But I, I thought it's really cool that one of the endings is basically, you know, it's your character just getting so overwhelmingly angry that, like, just he blows up the city and almost kills everybody and somebody else has to save you. It's really unconventional and yet another example of Fantasy Star 3 doing something oddball, but it being cool. The translation is pretty bad, though. It's like, ah, this city is so evil, I hate it, rah, and it tri- his anger triggered Medjid. So, you know. Yeah, well, you can read between the lines, you know. You, know, you had to have some imagination at the time because a lot of translations of games in that era were awful. Pretty, pretty Breath of Fire 2, for example, but anyway. Yeah. So the next section we're going to talk about, somewhat unexpectedly, because you would think I'd want to get right into Fantasy Star 4, but because I want this to kind of encompass everything classic Fantasy Star, there are some very relatively unknown spinoffs to Fantasy Star. There's two Game Gear games. There's Fantasy Star Adventure and Fantasy Star Gaiden. And... Fantasy Star Gaiden, I, I, I'm not sure if I'm getting these right. I played them a long time ago. It, it was Gaiden is a spinoff as if Elise left the Algo system and found another solar system, and then Adventure is like an unrelated 
tale that I think ties into Fantasy Star 2, I believe. And then there's Fantasy Star 2 Text Adventures, which were released. The other ones were on Game Gear. These ones were released on the Sega CD uh, Genesis MegaNet modem, which was never released in the U.S., but it was sort of like this. It's kind of like the Nintendo Saddle of You, where you would download games. And so they had these text adventures that focused on each character from Fantasy Star 2. And they've, you know, they've been fully translated. They're never going to come out here, but you can read translations of them on the internet. And they're pretty neat. You know, they give you, you know, more background on the characters, like how Sheer the Thief became a thief before Fantasy Star 2 and that sort of thing. Um, so I'm going to play three tracks from those. The first one I'm going to play is the Desolus theme from Fantasy Star Adventure because we're not featuring any other Desolus overworld themes on here. And because I think it's just an incredibly gorgeous piece of music by Kenji Yamazaki that is just really memorable. I, I mean, I remembered it from this game and I remember very little else from it. And then I'm going to play the overworld theme, most of it from Fantasy Star Gaiden because it's like seven minutes long, shockingly for a Game Gear game or any game at that point in time. And then I'm going to play Yusus's Adventure from Fantasy Star 2 Text Adventures. And Yusus was the name, the Japanese name of the protagonist, Rolf, in Fantasy Star 2. So we're going to go ahead and take a listen to those real quick. And then when we come back, it'll be time for the greatest RPG of all time.
I really, really like Overworld. I, I, I enjoy it. It's, it's memorable from that game, but not maybe in the con- in the grand context of all of the game music. But uh, the Desolus theme and Yusuf's Adventure, I really, really like those. Desolus just has this crazy peppy, happy sound to it. Like, oh, we're out exploring and everything's great, even though that planet is a frigid wasteland. And Yusuf's Adventure just has that really cool like bass because that that's the the highest quality of the songs because that one came from a Genesis slash Sega CD. So you have that like da na 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 that that really cool bass in the background that a sound I really typically associate with Sega CD games. So I dug it. As did I. That's my first time hearing any of those, and it was cool to hear the progression from a Game Gear track to a Sega CD track. And it also makes me wish we had the opportunity to play those, much like a bunch of the other kind of side games. Like when I think of these, I always think of like the Fantasy Stars spinoffs and the Lunar Magic School side games yeah like those really rare games that nobody's like rare text adventure things because i was always like oh i love these series and i'd love to explore more of it even though i just said i barely played two and three but i was like oh god i love four but we're about to get there but i think that those are are cool tracks and they're it was a good segue for us to get in from uh three into four yeah and one other thing that i found interesting about them well maybe not interesting is that if i recall adventure's pretty good guidance pretty bad uh, they don't play very much like Fantasy Star 2. They play more like 1, but with a very, very limited set of hardware. Like, Gaiden, the battles, like, the menu takes up three quarters of the Game Gear screen, and the bad guy is, like, just this image in, the, like, the top, tiny little top right corner. <laughs> so it's, they, they're not, they don't give you any sort of under, deeper understanding, uh, Gaiden and Adventure, to the, the characters in the main series. The only ones that I think are particularly interesting plot-wise are the text adventures because they flesh out the Fantasy Star 2 characters. Yeah, I was just reading a summary of those, and I like that it shows, like, what happened to Nay before she met came Rolf. in. Yeah, before she met Rolf. <laughs> Rolf! And, and before Rolf moved out of the neighborhood that Ed, Ed and Nettie lived in. <laughs> yeah, or before he moved in with the Muppet Babies. Yeah. He, he, that guy gets around. He does, doesn't he? Rolf. Rolf. <laughs> guy, Rolf. I want to. I want to know what the localization meeting was. Well, what sounds like Yusuf? Rolf. Yeah, same like, thing. Like it's like, oh yeah, what is he rolling on laughing floor or something? I don't know. Rolling on laughing floor. I don't know. Whatever. It's translation foibles. Chaz is Rudy. Rudy actually sounds cool, especially after Wild Arms. But whatever. Yeah, Rudy's cool. Speaking of Chaz, Derek hit us. Okay, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. I know it's the moment we've been waiting for. We move from the earlier games into the granddaddy of Fantasy Star's main series. Unfortunately, the very last game that we've received up until this point. Um, And we're really sad about that. But nothing can take away the happy memories we have of Fantasy Star, the end of the millennium, and also called Fantasy Star 4 on the box, even though that's not technically in the name. This was also scored by Ippo from Fantasy Star 3, and it's a huge departure from Ippo's style. And uh, some of the tracks were also done by M. Nakagaki, also known as Gaki-chan. So Fantasy Star 4 has a ton of incredibly memorable music, and I know that a lot of you will recognize this stuff. <laughs> when we were coming up with the track list, my original cut of the Fantasy Star 4 one, I texted Derek, I go, is it okay to have 37 tracks from Fantasy Star 4? And he was like, uh, it was the nicest yes phrase no I've ever had. It was, yeah, I guess if you, the, the subtext was no, no. So yeah, it, that might be too many. It was really hard to pare this down because I wanted to include everything. But we've done our best to pick out a lot of the, the best ones. The best, you know, it's all the best. So the best of the best. Yes. The, the best, cream of the cream of the cream of the crop. The most representative of Fantasy Star 4. Yeah. Some of the, you know, the cool stuff and the stuff that has parallels in earlier games. 
Right. And if we missed something that you love, we're sorry, but it, we had a hard enough time, so don't beat on us for it. Yeah, just go find the album. It's pro- it's out of print, but, you know, no problem. it's available find it. for $200. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or just boot up your Genesis and give it a listen. Yeah. So we open up with the opening track to the game, of course, and when you put this in your system, you are ready for that grand space-spanning adventure. Take a listen to the end of the millennium, Fantasy Star 4. is such a badass opening theme that's the only way to describe it that's like sega was sitting there going yeah we did rush the last two and all that but you know what right from the, like you hit the genesis button and before your finger is off it it's like boom just freaking expl- yeah. yeah explodes with awesome it's like space rock taken to the extreme the song gets me so pumped and actually as we were listening to this i mentioned to uh, steven that I have not played fantasy star 4 in so long that i don't remember anything after the point where you get ren and Steven was like, what? And I was like, yeah, I should probably replay it some sometime soon. And then all of a sudden, boop, Steven has bought you a game on Steam, Fantasy Star 4. I take Fantasy Star very seriously. I own it on basically every console I have. If it's available on a console or a handheld that I own, I have it. And I have my Genesis copy that, see, it originally came in a paper box that I didn't like. And as a kid, it just got destroyed. But I took the plastic box from another Genesis game and then printed my own box art from this like box art website back in the 90s. And so it looks awesome. I used to do that too. I had a couple of cases of those like old, the plastic cases that had like the little tabs that snap in. Yep. I, uh, the clear ones. I had a bunch of those. I used to make my own custom cases for. I don't know what happened to them. Like everything else good in my life, I lost it over time. That's really dark. No, well, not everything. I, everything I had. Oh my god, I had so much awesome game memorabilia, like, like posters, manuals, strategy guides, stuff that I won from contests like mail-in stuff and it is all gone i had like a copy of earthbound with the box in it anyway wow i, I wish saw, I, I still had that fantasy star is included in that I, I don't have any of those original games anymore i was a fool not a fool because i was happy i got a ps2 but when ps2 came out i had to pay for it myself it was the first console i had to buy myself 
and I sold almost everything I owned for Genesis, like Beyond Oasis, Fantasy oh Star God. 3, Fantasy Star 2, Shining Force 1 and 2, just everything. The only thing I kept was Fantasy Star 4. And I did the exact same thing. I sold all of my Super Nintendo games and my system for a Dreamcast to get... I got a Dreamcast and Evolution, and I traded in uh, SNES, Earthbound, uh, Final Fantasy 2 and 3, ActRaiser, everything, like Lufia 1 and 2, everything you could possibly imagine. I had it all, and I got rid of it. And I am filled with the deepest regret to this day. Big regret. Totemo regret. I has a regret. But yeah, intro to Fantasy Star. It's awesome. It's I, I, I originally had the staff roll, which is a sort of slower-paced recap of that track with a really cool breakdown in our playlist, but I took it out just because it it's another two and a half minutes, and I would have rather included something totally different, which we'll see when we get to the last song, what I included in its place. But so the, our next set of tracks we're going to talk about um, are the Motavia world map theme, which is the first world map theme in the game you hear, and then... I skipped way ahead to Deserus Town 2 because it's one of my favorite town themes in the game. All of them are, but this one in particular. And because we haven't featured a whole lot of our favorite ice planet, so I want to get that. And then the last track after that is one of the most memorable tracks in the game is Her Last Breath, which plays when your main character, Chaz, his mentor... the per- he, But prior to the game, it is insinuated in the manual and other stuff that he was like a, a street urchin that was like stealing from people and doing bad stuff. And she kind of takes him in and turns him into a hunter and an upstanding citizen. And she gets blasted by one of the bad guys. And basically, Spoiler. you can't save her. And this is the song that plays during the actual, with the actual manga cutouts of her death. So it's really touching. And growing up, I, I found this scene more tragic than Aerith dying in Final Fantasy VII. Just because, A, well, she I was... played this first. And B, I feel like Elise was, she just... The, the dynamic was different. Like, as a young person playing the game, she was the one who was, like, explaining parts of the world to you, to Chaz, who doesn't get it, and as a surrogate to you. So it's like your own mentor is getting... I don't know. I'm super attached to this game, so... Yeah. No, I understand. I was just going to say, she was Eris before Eris. Yeah, and she was better than Eris, but seven's still cool. Seven was my first Final Fantasy, and I love it, but... So anyways, Feel Botavia, Desiris Town 2, and her last breath.
So, Her Last Breath, the day I got to that scene, because this game took me, it, I mean, it was kid time, so it was probably like a month, but it felt like five years to get through some bosses. I mean, I would get stuck and be stuck for months. I wrote to James Maxlow, the guy who ran the Fantasy Star pages that are still up to this day, and I was like, how do I beat you know, Zio? How do I beat Lashik? I can't do it. And he wrote me like he wrote me back this super nice email and like explained to me like his strategy and what level he recommended and stuff. So that site is really fantastic and is still around. So you should check it out. It's you know it hasn't been updated in a long time, but he keeps it live. I finally beat the the Zio's fort. Alice gets blasted, and then she ends up dying. And I cried like a baby, man. I, I mean, I was like five or four or something, and I got so upset. And like I stopped playing for the day, and I was like just miserable. And my family went to Outback that night. I remember <laughs> they started playing that song, I Just Died in Your Arms Tonight. In uh-huh. <laughs> and I started freaking bawling. And my parents were like, what the hell is wrong? So I was like, you know, I, was, I, I doubt I articulated it appropriately, but the, the gist of it was the character in my game died. And she was like a, fu- she was like a mother to me. Yeah, that song is super touching and so far narratively beyond anything in the other games, because you really haven't had a whole lot of, like, cutscene tracks in Fantasy Star 1 through 3 at all, mm-hmm. because there weren't really many cutscenes. 2 had sort of some, 3 had a couple, but no real cutscene tracks. So this is a song made for a cinematic moment, and it was really depressing. Yeah, really high impact, because they specifically crafted that song to go with that moment. And those, they're, you know, Fantasy Star is now famous, at least Fantasy Star 4 is especially famous for its manga-style anime cutscenes so every time one of those popped up you were like oh this is serious like this is an important moment or this is an awesome moment so when that happened it not only it it had like the double impact of being one of those scenes that you were always breathless for (laughs) her last breath breathless for and Uh it was also a really awful sad moment and the music and all those things combined and you're just like what is this happening you've got the manga the the little animated strips of like all the characters crying and wailing and it's like no it's miserable The other two tracks I like a lot, too, for completely different reasons. They're upbeat. The Motavia theme has that kind of just setting out in this world, and it's mysterious and kind of dying. Because after the end of Fantasy Star 2, when you destroy the Mother Brain, who controls the climate control, Motavia is starting to basically re-desertify. And it kind of has that sort of forlorn vibe to it. And then Desiris Town 2 is just, it's the upbeat track that plays after you fix the climate in Desiris and you stop the horrible snowstorms by fighting Dark Force 2. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's classic tracks. Yep, uh, they, they get you in the mood. Next up, we've got some battle stuff and a vehicle song. We've got another chunk of four tracks coming up here. The first one is Meet Them Head On, which is the standard battle theme for the game. Uh, interesting track because it's very gritty and fast. It gets right into it and... It's very memorable. One of those songs that everybody who plays the game remembers forever. Followed by the Little Victory uh, jingle. Then there is a Dungeon Arrange track that's actually one of the songs from Fantasy Star 1. And it plays in Fantasy Star 4 in the same dungeon that it appeared in Fantasy Star 1, which is an awesome tie-in. Following that, we have the Illustration Gallery Master AXV25 track that was on the Sega Saturn version of the Fantasy Star Collection. It's an arrangement that's really cool. Uh, it's one of the vehicle themes. Then we have Cybernetic Carnival, which is the song that actually plays when you get into battles while you're riding in the tank, which is another really neat thing they did. To have a vehicle is one thing, but to have a vehicle that you fight in, awesome. And they made special music to go along with that. So the next 
uh, set of songs we hope you enjoy meet them head on Head on reminds me of the of the, the battles in Motavia more than anything else. 
probably because that's the only part of the game that I played over and over and over and over and over as a kid because I was either too dumb or not tenacious enough to get farther than, you know, apparently like a third of the way through. But I used yes. to grind on those sandworms and stuff. So every time I hear that, I'm like, yeah, it's time to start my macros. It's time to get that. Foie. Do you, is it foie or foey? I think it's foey. Like foey. Like if it were Japanese, it'd be foey. It, 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 ho, ho, okay, sure. Whatever. But yeah, casting Foey on all the on all the worms. I, I was a big fan of Sue Foey and Watt because that made Tri Blaster, which just broke the first half of the game. Well, yeah. the first half, but the first time until you got Rune and he broke everything because Rune yeah. is the best character in anything. That's what Rune does, though. So yes, I I, I love that battle theme. Um, it's not it's actually my least favorite from that game. I like I think I like Fantasy Star 2's better, but what I like about that is something that's demonstrated in all of these songs so far that I think they struggled with in Fantasy Star 3 is that they had these great compositions, but they struggled to get them on the hardware. Whereas here you have, there's so many layers in these songs. Like with Cybernetic Carnival, you have like five or six different lines of instrumentation playing different stuff. And right around 24 seconds, when it starts going that like, like the regular, like that, like I can't possibly describe these sounds. But when it's like, like the, like the bass line, it just sounds so cool. I also yeah. really like, that's, that's not my favorite of the two PS1 dungeon arranges, but in Fantasy Star 1, I like the other dungeon song better, but in Fantasy Star 4, I like this one better. But there are arranges of both the main dungeon themes from the original game in this one, and they're really, really cool that they reach that far back. There are so many connections between all of the games here. Like, they really took the whole, this is the culmination of Fantasy Star seriously in this game. I mean, you can go into a dungeon where it talks about the ships that got sent out in Fantasy Star 3, you get history on the destruction of the planet in Fantasy Star 2. You can see statues and go to towns from Fantasy Star 1 that, like, statues of the heroes. And, like, in some of the the, the cutscenes, you'll actually see pictures of, like, Rolf and Elise or Elise, whatever, from Fantasy Star 1. So it's just really well connected. And yeah. so that they did that with the music, too, was really cool. I absolutely love games that have a really strong sense of world building from title to title. Um, th that's probably one of the reasons why I'm so in love with the Trails in the Sky universe, even though I've only gotten to play the first one in English. But that has a really similar, from what I've heard, like the first Trails in the Sky game is on a cliffhanger and the rest of them just flesh out the world more and more. And I know that even the latest game that they announced in that series, the Sen no Kiseki, has something to do with the Erebonian Empire. So in a way, that's that kind of experience is something that Fantasy started incredibly well. Because even if the games weren't necessarily connected, like it's the same character from game to game, they still had all those references that made the world feel so cohesive and so alive. And they really were continuations of the plot because you get Dark Force in each one. And then in the end, it's like, you know, why does he keep coming back? And Fantasy Star 4 goes, well, the reason Dark Force keeps coming back every thousand years is because the profound darkness who's sealed away is slowly weakening the seal that's trapping him in another dimension. And he's become so powerful in 4 that he's able to send three dark forces into the into the algo system that's why you fight it three times and he's so the idea is that you have to go into like the dimensional rift in the finale of the game and stop him from coming into algo and destroy him once and for all and then for reals end all the problems like at the end of fantasy star 3 when you kill dark force he's like ha 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 i'll be back in a thousand years uh, i'll be sure to tell your children that we'll have a great time and i'm like you're super evil bro but yeah great culmination and I especially like the the land the Land Rover theme arrangement we played. That's that's from the Sega Saturn Fantasy Star Collection that we sadly never got here. But there were these really cool rooms you could go into and watch illustrations, and there were tons of arrangements on that sound on that game uh, that played within like the 
the choose which fancy style you want to play system. So it was really neat that they had remixes of that. They had they have ones for every fantasy star that are all great. And if you can locate, or I'm sure it's on YouTube, the the fantasy star first series complete album, they have all the Saturn tracks on there. It's a good arrangement. Now our final little block of tracks. I'm I'm so sad we're at the end of this already. Wow. Our final block of tracks is three of my absolute favorite tracks in the game. We're gonna play Organic Beat or Organic Beat as it's incorrectly titled on the soundtrack, which is the track it plays in like. Garibert Tower and Zeo's Fort. It's like the, the stuff's about to get real dungeon, like the really dark, evil dungeons. And then we're going to play one of my favorite boss themes of all time, and without a doubt my favorite in this game, uh, the King of Terrors, which is the dark force battle theme. It is so... It captures this creepy, dark, evil vibe so well. And then we're going to play Ooze, which is the second of the two final battle themes that plays in the final form of the final boss when it's just like, all right, it's this is the la- this is it. Dump everything you got because this boss is gonna drop you. Oh man! It, let's just listen to him now because I'm gonna gush and we don't want to do that too much before we listen. So, organic beat, King of Terrors, ooze.
So, before I start just frothing at the mouth over those two boss themes, Organic Beat is... I really like how it has this just that crazy Genesis bass and foreboding that, you know, around 55 seconds it kind of breaks into this, the Genesis simulated guitar. It just When people say the Genesis can be used to make really cool, really unique music, this is the kind of music they're talking about that this just isn't possible on a Super Nintendo or the NES. You don't get this kind of sound on there where it's like there's some dude that's just wailing on this super muddy guitar and at this point in time that was like unheard of. Final Fantasy had nothing like this. Final Fantasy had awesome music too, but a totally different kind. It's got such a dark quality that the SNES sound chip doesn't emulate. I I love both of this. Sound, I I love the Genesis and the SNES sound chip. I always say SNES. I feel like I should say SNES. Uh, I love both of those, but the Genesis it's like it's just so gritty, and it yeah. doesn't. It's not replicable with the SNES stuff. I don't know. And 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 you saw with Fantasy Star Three, which had good compositions, but they were they they struggled occasionally with the, the hardware. But here. That all evidence of that is gone. Like they just they got it. And then you get the King of Terrors, which is Dark Force is the only boss other than the final boss that has his own battle theme. And it plays all three times and it's just this slimy, organic, techno evil thing. Slimy is a really good way to put it. Like you know, like it's got that like he's made of like this disgusting flesh, and that's exactly what that song evokes. And then you have that like small lull and then the crit it just totally just breaks down at the end. It's whew, I love it. It is quite a track. All the fights with him start out with like the lights don't fully come on right away. Like when you first see the fight with the first Dark Force, the fight starts and you see the character window pop up and then you just see the lights from the monitors behind him turn on and then you see his eyes open and then the, the lights totally flash in and your characters show up in the battle. Like there was some real cinematic stuff happening here and the music just that opening couple of seconds where it's really foreboding, just it's super well done. The final boss track though, I just, like I said to Derek while we were listening, first of all, this is probably why I like bass and drama, because that song is just like nothing but synth bass and just wailing guitars, and this is like the best graphics they can pull off on Genesis, like the background is this crazy flashing, just lights everywhere, just super crazy effects, full screen boss sprite, and you just have, it's so weighty in the bass, and it just, it sounds like... You sit there and you realize this is the antagonist that has caused every problem in the entire series. So this is the showdown. Like, this is it. This is literally, it lives up to its name. It's the end of the millennium. This is the final boss fight. So that it gets that kind of song that capitalizes on everything that that series has ever had as a strength and the strength of its hardware. I mean, what what else do you say, man? It's awesome. It's pretty flawless, I'd say. I mean, it it's the perfect accompaniment to that fight. The series is is amazing because of those kinds of things, those kinds of elements coming together and making such an awesome experience. And like you said, how cinematic it was for the time. I've I've seen the final boss. I haven't actually gotten to it myself. For shame, but I'll rectify that soon because this episode is making me itch something fierce and not down there in my heart. I picked Ooze because that's the last track we're playing for the day. And I figured that, that you know, it culminates the series, culminates our episode. So it's pretty good, I think. This is a series that a lot of people were disappointed when it went to the online. I was too, but I, I learned to love the online series for totally different reasons. Even though there are plenty of throwbacks, especially musically, in Fantasy Star Online to the new series, or to the older series. And you, you have a lot of references and things like that. So it's not like they've totally forgotten. But I often say, you know, people often say, oh, I'd love to see Fantasy Star 5. But sometimes I wonder if they could capture that same thing. Because so much of what made it special was them 
creating these new kinds of experiences with, within the limitations of their hardware. Like the manga style cutscenes were fantastic back in the day, but now we can do anime. So, and if it just if they created a Fantasy Star Five and made, you know, if it just had behind the back turn based combat and anime cutscenes, that's like every half the JRPGs released now. So, you know, it's it would take a lot to recreate what was once so great about that. And I I am curious if anybody could truly capture that. They did with Skies of Arcadia. Skies of Arcadia felt like I mean it was the same director, Riko Kodama, Reiko Kodama. But I'd I'd be hesitant. I'd still like to see it. As much as I'm also afraid of them absolutely ruining it, if it was put in the right hands, I, I really think they could make something magical and continue with the series. For now, I, I'm happy to check out Fantasy Star Online too if they would ever give us a release date for that in the U.S. Yeah, and they one thing to keep in mind that we, is at least happy is that the series got a conclusion. Like It's not like we were left with cliffhanger like, Right. Everything wrapped up, the bad guy is defeated. So for all intents and purposes, they finished the story. So it's not like we're sitting here, you know, without the second half of Shining Force 3, for example, or the second two-thirds of Shining Force 3. So right. yep. it'd be worse. Not- but so that finishes up with Fantasy Star for the day. Again, stay tuned for episode four. That's going to be the modern series of Fantasy Star. But in the meantime, uh, we're not going to do releases, as I said earlier, because we covered all of March's releases in the last episode, and we don't want to keep recapping the same thing. But we do have some news stories that I believe Derek has so graciously researched and will drop on us. So, Most definitely. One of the ones that's most appropriate is there's actually a Fantasy Star Symphony concert coming in late March to Japan. Of course, to Japan. Um, it's going to be called Symphony 2013, or I'm sorry, Sympathy 2013. Um, and it is going to feature music throughout the history of the series, including the classic Genesis titles, which is awesome because we just heard all of that. So we yeah. know how good it is. So if they um, release an album, we'll review it and get to play it again. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be happening on March 30th, which is uh, right around the time this episode is going to go up on the site. So uh, it's going to be hosted by Yuji Naka of Sega fame and Seiyu slash voice actress Atsuko Enomoto. So we will definitely be looking for that and seeing if there's a recording of that because it's the kind of thing we will want to share with you guys if possible. But not before I listen to it myself. But not before we listen to it ourselves. I love you guys, but not as much as me. Yeah, you don't want to keep Steven from Fantasy Star. All right, so just two other things. Um, Drakengard 3 was announced, and we did talk about that a bit on Random Encounter as far as the actual game and, and its pedigree and all that. But what's relevant to us here on Rhythm Encounter is that it's going to have the uh, same composer, Keiichi Okabe, who did the music for Nier. And I believe he did the music for Drakengard 1 and 2. That could be wrong. But I'm sure that uh, he did the music for Nier, and that game had a flawless soundtrack. I believe it's also one of our most clicked reviews on in our entire music section. So people definitely like that music. And yeah. if, if, if Okabe returns and does anything close to the level of what he did for Nier in Dragon Guard 3, then we have something really awesome to look forward to. I'm pretty sure um, that Emmy Evans and like Monaka will be back as a whole. So I think it's literally the same team that was behind Nier. So. I, I, I could be wrong if that's been announced or not, but I'm almost positive that's what I heard. So, yeah, if you yeah. liked Nier, uh, you have something to look forward to. And I just double-checked. Dragon Dragoon Drake Garbone was actually... It doesn't look like it was composed by Keiichi Okabe, but even so, that game did have cool music, so you should listen to that, too. And the final news item today that I wanted to touch on is many of you, of course, have heard that Kingdom Hearts is getting a uh, an HD re-release in Kingdom Hearts HD 1.5 Remix. <laughs> and Steven's giddy. 
about that. That's going to be coming out later this year in North America. Uh, we found out for sure recently. But something really awesome that we didn't know at first is that the music in the game has been re-recorded with live instruments by Gakudan. Oh, yes. And it is gorgeous. Yes, you can hear people have posted their play playthrough videos on YouTube and then a couple of the tracks. Lord of the Castle from Rechain of Memories is unbelievable with live instruments and the Hollow Bastion theme, the final boss theme, all of it just sounds incredible. And the Disney tracks sound great too. So I have to give Square Enix props. I We, we rib on them all the time for re-releasing in their crappy iOS games, but at the very least, they're doing justice with these ports, and they're not just sitting on the resting on their laurels doing it. I mean, they they tweak the game, and I mean, the one thing that sold to me was that updated soundtrack, and it sounds fantastic. So I'm going to buy it. it, it that sealed the deal. Yeah, we just I, I actually it. wasn't 100 percent sure if I wanted to buy it when they first announced it, but after after considering trophy support and especially the new music, oh my god, I'm definitely going to pick that up. Between that and uh, 10, 10 to HD remaster. It is going to be an awesome fall winter season for playing those classic games on your PS3. And that's yeah. all the news I have for today. Just a, a couple little things here. So we'll, we'll have more news and uh, probably an updated release schedule in the next episode since that should be in early to mid April. So I very much hope you enjoyed our slavering fanboyish look back at the fantasy star series. This was something that was always going to happen when this show was conceived. So I'm glad we were able to finally get it out there. As usual, if you have any you know, suggestions for how we can improve, ideas for topics, anything you want to hear, you can email Derek or I. Our addresses are listed on the Rhythm Encounter page now. We are working on getting an actual Rhythm Encounter at RPG Fan email address, but as of yet, we don't have one. But as soon as we do, it will be on that page. So for the meantime, you can contact us or you know anybody else, and you can rate us on iTunes. We are available on there, and nobody appears to have rated us yet. So go and make iTunes think that we are super awesome. So, Make us happy. Yes. I mean, I'm already happy. I got to talk about Fantasy Star for two hours, but... Well, yeah. You know, but, you get know. the gist of it. Yeah, stroke our egos a little bit. Just a little bit, please. Yes. I mean, more than you already have. So, our final track, uh, our editor-in-chief, Eric Ferran, couldn't be on... Or our former editor-in-chief, Eric Ferran, couldn't be on today. But since he is the most long-running Fantasy Star fan on the site, it, I would say, uh, I gave him the option of picking our final track since we decided we'd have a guest or someone else do it. And there was an album released called uh, Hyperdrive GSM Sega 4, which I actually wasn't familiar with. And Eric told me that there were some remixes of Fantasy Star music on there. And there's a really great remix of the Fantasy Star 3 main theme called The Journey Begins. And so that's what's going to be taking us out today. Thank you guys again for listening to another episode of Rhythm Encounter, the RPG fan music podcast. Definitely tune in again soon to hear more coverage and ridiculous love spewing all over your favorite classic rpg tunes and we can't wait to get your feedback and to continue recording so taking us out eric's choice the journey begins fantasy star 3 main theme <laughs>